scriptures. So let me pray for us and then we'll, we'll get started. Lord God, we are humbled by your invitation to be here this morning. We're grateful for the brothers who could be here. We're thankful that we have the immeasurable gift of your word. Lord, we ask you to block out anything that might be a distraction to us. Give us ears to hear what you have for us this morning. Bless Joe as he comes to deliver that word, and we're grateful for the, the opportunity to hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Joe Terry. Can you hear me? Good. So we're going to talk today about unity, church unity. Good subject to, to talk about. Um, but first I want to, is Michael Dickerson here? What a great retreat, huh? You know, I was reminded, uh, Randy, I could listen to Randy Newman all day long. I mean, he just got good. Uh, but he was reminiscing, and he was saying, you know, I have a long association with Burke Community Church. I've been here, well, it's 26 years, and I was, you know, I, I was here <laughs> when he came. He says, 26 years, it's a long time. Yeah. But we want to talk about unity, and in the process of talking about unity, we're going to talk about Christ. Because unity only comes in Christ and through Christ. And it was interesting to me that in 2 Timothy chapter 1, the gospel, and why we need to know the gospel and exercise the gospel as we do is saxophone scales. Now, I don't know about you, but my imagination went kind of wild a little bit when he talked about an 18-minute saxophone no, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. But let's, uh, we're in Ephesians 2, 11 through 16. Let me read it. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, that's who we are. Is it, am I talking to Gentiles here? Non-Jews? Okay. Um, in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ. You who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. We'll talk about that later. By abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one man, one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by having put to death the enmity. So let's talk about the temple. The temple has been around a long time. When was it built? About a thousand BC. Okay. It was a precursor. It was a, an expression of the tabernacle. Remember when God instructed Moses on how to build a tabernacle? And that was about 
500 years before. So already we're talking about church that's 500 years old. And remember, in the temple, God says, the only place you can worship me is here. People were brought back from wherever they were to Jerusalem to worship in the temple. And you say, well, there had to be unity in worship if it's 500 years old. Or later on, when Christ was preaching in the temple and teaching in the temple, that's 1,000 years later. That's 1,500 years. Is that older than Burke Community Church? Yeah. You say, well, certainly unity is a theme that had to be evident throughout. And the answer is no. No, it wasn't. You know, if you take a look at what God prescribed, and there's a diagram of the temple, Holy of Holies, the veil, the holy place, the altar of incense, all there. But order was more important than unity. Are we a people of order? You like structure? When you took a look at the temple, let me go back. What do you notice about the temple? The Holy of Holies sticks out. I mean, that's whatever that is, it's prominent in worship. But what about the walls? Isn't a church supposed to be open? Isn't a church supposed to be? And what about the elevation? Now, look at the temple order. Let's work from the bottom up. Well, everybody could come and worship God there, but... If you were others, now I don't know who others were because there were only two people in the world at that day. There were Jews and non-Jews. There were Jews and Gentiles. The Gentiles could be below the surface of the temple in section 12. That's where you could be. That's where I would be. Anywhere near the Holy of Holies? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Look where the women were. Look where the men were. Look where the priests were. Well, how would you know a priest? Well, a priest was set apart by his clothing, his dress. And what about the high priest? Once a year, once every year, got to go into the Holy of Holies, but only with a rope around his leg in case something happened to him and they wouldn't dare go in there alone, they would yank him out. That's order. That's order. And I say, well, that doesn't sound very unifying. That doesn't sound like a God who loved all. Those were God's instructions. They were followed well for 1,500 years, you know? And then what happened? So I was thinking, so do we put an emphasis on order or unity in a church today? Think about that a little bit. But I want you to take a look at another place of worship that's prominent today. 
This is where football is worshipped, right? Is football worshipped in unity? No. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, we went. Uh, I have a good friend who's a class of '71, the Naval Academy, president of their class, high roller in the class, whatnot. Got us great seats in the Navy area on the 35-yard line in section 103. Great seats. But we didn't come to see Navy play football as much as we came at the invitation of relatives who are both University of Houston graduates. They say, well, surely in the worship of football, two teams are going to get together and work toward unity as opposed to order. Wrong. Wrong. We, we were invited and Navy was nice enough in their parking lot to provide enough space for the Houston contingent to have a tailgate party. And we were invited to the tailgate party. It was in a tent, rather large tent. They had about 350 and say, okay. Now they came to worship football, no. They came to win. <laughs> they came to win and say, well, where's the order there? That's where they got to sit, section 132, up near the end zone, up in the very top in the nosebleed section. And we sat down in section 35. Now, everything worked out well because it rained horribly. <laughs> it rained constantly. It rained so that it didn't make any difference what you had to keep rain from you. It stuck to you. Um, and in the second half, our relatives got to move down into section 103. Now, was that unity? No, that was reality. <laughs> that was reality. And what about the order? Well, there are 22 guys on the field at any one time. There's half a dozen refs. There's people on the sidelines keeping the down yard, the yard markers and the, and the down settled. And, and it was a heck of a ball game. Navy won 46 to 40. 46 to 40. You ever, you ever been to a game where it's that much scoring? It's incredible. It's fun, as a matter of fact. But that's a place of worship today where unity is not expressed, but order is. And in that order, one team leaves a winner and the other a loser. Is that the way the church is supposed to be set up? No, I don't think so. But you know, in the temple, the Gentiles were outside. And you say, well, how serious a dividing line was being outside as opposed to being inside? How about death? How about death? If a Gentile was caught inside, the temple, that was a action worthy of death. Do you know that the Jewish people were so concerned about staying Jewish that if a Jewish son or daughter married a Gentile, the first thing the family did, the Jewish family did, upon hearing that was to conduct a funeral 
for the son or daughter who was going out to marry a, a, a Gentile. Is that unity? Not hardly. And you know, if you take a look at Acts 21, Paul comes back from Ephesus, brings with him a Gentile, brings several, as a matter of fact, but he, Trophimus is the one mentioned. And those who were against Paul, when Paul went to the temple to worship and kind of get things straight, those who were accusing Paul said, you brought a Gentile into the temple. That's not good. That's not good. He is worthy of death, and so are you, and they beat him. Paul. That's Paul, the Apostle Paul, the one who had come back earlier and set the church straight on Jews and Gentiles in Christ the same. That's how strong the division was between Jew and Gentile. But praise be to God, through Christ, we're not dictated, directed by order, we're directed by unity. Well, where does that unity come from? You know, my wife and I got away a couple weeks ago and we went to Bermuda. Never been to Bermuda. Anybody been to Bermuda? Great place to visit. Um, oldest church in the, in, in, the, in the world in that part of the that part of the country, to include the United States, is an Episcopal, not casting dispersion on the Episcopalian church. But we visited a church, oldest church in Bermuda, and I was struck by it was built in 1600, 1660, by not unity, but division. Well, where does division occur? Well, division occurs in they worship in boxes. You know, if you've ever visited an old church, there's, a, there's an assigned box. You know, much like churches, some churches today, where if you give a bunch of money or leave a portion of your estate to the church, they'll put your name on the back of a pew or a seat, you know, just to let you know that they appreciate the fact that you thought about them. But here's boxes. And then I looked up and I saw a place, far corner in the room. I said, what's that? That's where the slaves worshipped. I say, wait a second. Where's, where's the unity? Where's the unity? That's more like the temple in order. And order's more important than unity. But formally, you, the Gentiles, us, in the flesh, who are uncircumcised and circumcised. And I said, oh, what? You, you seem to emphasize the basics more than I, I mean, those of us, certainly in this room, are more mature and we can handle things beyond, hey, the difference between a Jew and Gentile is not just circumcision. But the Gentiles, whatever their state, they were far away. They were far away. And through Christ and in Christ, 
he brought them close. So formerly you, the Gentiles, were in the flesh, were far away. But now, italics provided by me, now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near. Near by what? The blood of Christ. You know, I, I, I considered again this past weekend the cross and the blood of Christ and how significant, how overwhelmingly important that is in who we are as followers in Christ. Without Christ's death on the cross, there is no unity. Through Christ and in Christ would mean nothing without the cross. And yet the cross is the means. We need to step out. We need to believe that Christ died for us, for me, for you, in order to be close to him. So now in Christ Jesus, and it's not the new building of a temple. It's not the new building of a church. It's not the stadium where football is worshipped, where unity occurs. It's inside us. It's Christ in us. So as Gentiles, formally, we were separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now, here's the emphasis again. Here's going back to what Randy was talking about, the basics of the gospel. In Christ, in Christ Jesus, you who are formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Christ is the difference. Jew, Gentile, one in Christ. The walls of the temple, remember the wall elevated? that kept apart those who worshiped God? That's broken down. That is no more. And so I said to myself, so how near is near? Romans 8.38 says, For I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I like that. I like being in a position where I can never be separated from Christ. But how about this? To whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Now, be honest. Do you like somebody in your face telling you what to do and where to go and how to behave? And Probably not. We like our space, do we not? But yet, when you believe in Christ, who comes to live within you? Holy Spirit. Is that near? Can you get any nearer? How comfortable are you with that? You know, we were driving on the way home, and we were talking about various sins that afflict men. And saying that one of the things I'm learning, emphasize learning, 
is that when I'm tempted or made aware of sin in my life, it's more comforting, not completely, to know that Christ is in me and I don't want to commit that sin because I don't want to unsatisfy, displease the one who lives within me. Do you feel that way? Do you feel that way? Is Christ in you the hope of glory? So, we're Jews, we're Gentiles. Through Christ and in Christ, basic gospel, we're together. And so I, I ask you these questions. Have you ever been somewhere and been excluded? Maybe you were a Houston fan up in the nosebleed section in 132, and we're looking down into where we were sitting on the 35-yard line, eight rows up in the rain, but otherwise great seats. You like being excluded? Probably not. How about an airplane or a restaurant? How'd that make you feel? We want to be part, don't we? Or more specifically, we want the choice to be part of where we want to sit, where we want to sit, and what we want to do, because we're, we are who we are, right? Um, in Christ there is unity, there are no walls. Do you sense unity at BCC? Now, we don't have pews. We don't have, we haven't been around long enough to build walls. Marty doesn't go into a separate place that we only see from a distance once a year to atone for our sins. We worship together because of Christ in us, the hope of glory. And here's one where you meddle. We were once distant from Christ, but now we are near. Are you comfortable with the fact that the Holy Spirit lives within you and that you can be as close to God as you desire? So let me pray. So, Father, we thank you and praise you for who you are, Lord. We thank you that we can come to you and we can be in our one in you if we believe in your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that through Christ and in Christ we can worship together. There are no walls. They're broken down. There is no order. There is no historical precedent in how we worship and how we go about setting up the place where we worship. But instead we worship you in purity and wholeness and glory and truth together as one in unity. Father, thank you for this time together. I pray you would bless the discussion that follows. In Jesus' name, amen.